Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of Outspoken. This is something I haven't done before, but this episode is dedicated entirely to the rock band from Oakland, California from the 1990s. One of my all-time personal favorites, Little Ma. So this is Matt Stahl, a founding and current member, telling a piece of the history from the beginning of Little Mai through to its current iteration known as Inframaton. just mostly let you uh take the lead and tell the story as you see fit um one, i mean one thing i would like to know is some kind of timeline of the band and what you know who who joined when and all, all of that stuff but otherwise do you want to just talk yeah i'll just about... talk and and but like do do please interrupt with any questions that or any like whatever okay thank you yeah, well, uh, it all started <laughs> uh, in uh, 1989 when I m- moved into uh, a loft uh, in Oakland and Jack London Square um, with Nat, uh, Nat Parsons. And he was... I moved in because my brother knew this other guy, Pete LeCompte, who was living there. And um, and I was living in a really unpleasant uh, place in like South Berkeley. And um, so I moved into the loft and I got to know uh, Nat and Pete and Doug Schneider um, lived there too. I don't know if you ever came across Doug. He was a painter. Um, I and- feel like we may have met, but I can't. Yeah. for sure you uh doug doug was the bartender at merchants and uh it was doug that got the whole merchants scene going by basically exhorting me to book some shows there but um <laughs> but we, so i moved into this uh this loft with uh with nat loft is even a nice word i mean it was it was a warehouse space that was not uh you know this is pre-earthquake pre-gentrification um uh oakland Right. And so this place just had, you know, it's subfloors and rafters and uh, like there was, a, there was this kind of horrible neighbors on both sides, like the, the downstairs neighbor, we could hear him yelling at and berating and insulting his daughter, his little, his little kid daughter. Oh, uh, that's the worst. Yeah. Well, it would have been the worst if it weren't for the incontinent dogs that lived upstairs. And when they peed on the floor, <laughs> it just tripped right through. Onto, onto. okay that's the worst that, <laughs> that wins yeah yeah just barely yeah so uh, so that was a it was a really You're sandwiched in two between two hellish yeah realms and, and and like not only that but like there was a stage that some that pre, some previous tenant had built in the place and and yet the the neighbors upstairs and downstairs were just really really awful about noise even though uh we were subject to them pretty uh pretty seriously in their ways. <laughs> but um, uh, Nat 
Matt lived there, Pete lived there, uh, Doug lived there. They were all um, going to CCAC, California College of Arts and Crafts, uh, which was uh, way up uh, Broadway in Oakland. And um, I needed a job uh, at a certain point. And Matt said, well, they got a cafe at the uh, at CCAC. Why don't you see if they need somebody there? So I did, and they hired me to work in the cafe. So I started working in the cafe, serving, uh, making sandwiches and food and coffee and selling it to the students and the faculty and others at the um, CCAC cafe, cafeteria, restaurant, whatever, whatever you want to nice. call it. Yeah, yeah. Was that an okay job? It was. I liked food jobs because, uh, um, you know, cheap to, cheap to eat. You can feed yourself totally. pretty well. Totally. I had yeah. several of them. Yeah. So it was a good job. Um, I was, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think of myself as having been a real clown, a real performer, you know, with the, with the, um, other restaurant staff and the, um, uh, the, the, the patrons in ways that, you know, when I encounter people at the cafe now who are clowns that I, I really, I find it very irritating. So I think I must have been very irritating, uh, at least to, to some people, but to others, obviously I, I wasn't. Um, and I just got to know these people there, like Lexa, Lexa Walsh was a student there. Um, and, uh, and, and Tynan uh, Northrop was a student there. And it might've been Tynan who uh, was chatting and um, I can't remember if she, she, asked if, if I some, somehow she got across to me that she was interested in music, interested in making music. Uh, and so was I. So um, I, we started, I guess, talking together, playing together. She didn't play an instrument. Oh, yeah. Well, Nat, Nat was in on it, too. So Nat and I actually started um, playing guitars and singing together. And, and then Tiny got in on that. And then did not know Tynan already? Or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they knew each other for sure. So it might have been that actually that uh, that put Tynan in touch with me or uh, suggested that we talk. Somehow the three of us got started. We started uh, writing some songs and almost immediately. Um, so this is this is eighty nine, right right around the time of the earthquake. Um, and so you you lived through that, do you right? Lived? Yes, I did live through it. I mean, <laughs> I'm here I, to tell you about it now. You did survive it, but I mean, you were, you were present in the Bay Area during the '89 quake. Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. Uh, I was actually still at, uh, trying to um, trying to go to school at Berkeley, uh, which I just I dropped out first time I tried. Um, but at that point, at that night uh, of the earthquake, that evening, I was at a, another student's house, and we were working on statistics homework uh, and studying for a statistics test which um, is, man, that was the awfulest, worst, hardest <laughs> class I have ever taken in, in all the different places I've been to post-secondary education. Oh, no. It was awful. But so we were, we were um, this, her place was in North Berkeley, just up the hill from uh, Telegraph, I think. Uh, yeah, North Oakland, North Oakland, right? No, uh, yeah, North Oakland, 55th Street, around, she was around 55th and, and uh and we were sitting in, in her place studying and 
we felt the earthquake and stuff like flew off our shelves and off the um, mantelpiece and and we kind of looked at each other and we're like holy shit that was a that was real and we, you know we immediately did what everybody else did i mean we, we actually heard we heard people running around in the streets yelling that the, the bay bridge had collapsed and you know oh, sure. it, it was it and there was an eerie you know an eerie silence and we started uh looking for something on tv and we uh we um we found some uh some local tv news it was in total total panic mode uh uh and so we just figured that the i think the statistics class uh, test was going to be like the next day or a couple days later so we figured that the test was off so we went down to the to alcatel the big out uh big uh, bottle shop at, at uh, alcatraz and telegraph bought a ton of beer <laughs> went back to her place and just watched tv all night then when i when i got back to um, um i went back i just stayed the night there and got back to our uh warehouse space and uh there was a there was some windows had broken uh in the warehouse space and yeah that was crazy nat and uh and and pete uh, well no uh, i think pete this other roommate he was at the ball game that night and oh wow yeah he was at the ball game and the bay bridge obviously was not uh um usable so he i, I remember hearing that he had this epic many hour long journey up through marin county across the richmond bridge and then back down to west uh, to, to downtown oakland to jacklands oh crap yeah that was crazy so is that the biggest one you had ever felt oh absolutely absolutely like by far absolutely it was just it just it it it, it just kept going uh and it was and I, you know, I mean, I, I've never seen stuff fly off shelves and mantelpieces. I've been in, I was in a lot of earthquakes in California yeah. and, and that one, I, I just, I've, I've never seen stuff thrown around and yeah. That's intense. It was, it was, it was crazy. And the aftermath was crazy too. The, you know, the, the, the bridge was shut down and the, the, um, BART trains were shut down. And so, um, I think the day, like the next day I went and took a, a ferry over to San Francisco and I remember getting, cause the ferries were the only way to get across the Bay, unless you want to go up around the Richmond bridge. Right. And, uh, and I got off the ferry and I was walking down market street and it was seriously like post-apocalyptic twilight zone. Like there were, you know, you look, you look, I, would, I would look up at the, at, and there were buildings that had big chunks of them just falling off like multi-story chunks of buildings where you could see into the rooms and stuff. And, Whoa. <laughs> there were newspapers blowing in the empty street. It was very, it was That's very crazy. Yeah, the day crazy. after it was either the day after, or like two days after Yeah, the town just seemed just completely evacuated. And wow. I, I'm not sure I even knew then what was going on. All the fires that were burning, um, up, uh, closer to the, to the bridge, to the, um, golden gate bridge. Right. Did yeah. you know about the Embarcadero? Uh, I, I, if I did, it was overshadowed by what had happened on the freeway in Oakland, uh, yeah. that, that collapsed and that was amazing too. Uh, I mean, amazing. It was, I can't remember how many people died in there. I think it was only one, but only is kind of a harsh way to classify any life, you know, well, given, loss of life. given what happened, it's, yeah, well, it was so, a pretty it was a big tragedy just in, in terms of how it happened. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that, 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 uh, that was the period when we were getting the band started. And I remember that just, I don't know, it was a, it, it's, it's a, 
a real landmark and yeah for sure well sorry to take the detour like that but let's so so you and tynan and, yeah and, 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 and now all started playing together yeah yeah we started playing together and almost immediately um we uh got to know and started playing with these other two guys jamie and davy and uh jamie was living at the time at this apartment um over the king's x on uh oh, what's that street uh, pleasant pleasant valley road and um uh, like way out of, in between like uh the campus the ccac campus and um uh like lake Merritt or something anyways they had this yeah. this legendary apartment that had been in the hands of ccac people for i don't know how many generations of ccac students and we started playing over there with jamie and his drum drum set and davy and his bass amp and we basically had uh as i remember it we had basically like one jam that we uh we basically played it slightly different ways and called it like several different songs but it was essentially the same thing, <laughs> i think okay and you know i remember adam telling you this story about uh about when he met us over at this very apartment yeah uh, and and so uh my my recollection is the same but of course from my perspective which was that we were having you know another practice with uh wasn't even really practice we were jamming with davy jamie uh nat tynan and myself all in this um kind of not a very big living room kind of close jammed up into there and we and and uh uh adam was over there he'd been invited by lexa lexa who he had uh, gone out with in in new york city and and uh when he moved out to California, uh, they uh, became friends again, or I guess we're already friends. And uh, he was looking for somebody, as I remember, he was looking for somebody that he could play bass with because he wanted to learn uh, the bass. And so he'd heard that Jamie was a, a drummer and he wanted to come here, Jamie played drums so that he could potentially play bass with Jamie. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't know that part. It, it, uh, it's, it's, it's very strange, but, but I promise you it's true um wow. so so we were playing 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 with you know the same jam basically slightly differently inflected to make up several you know supposedly different songs right and we took a break and then uh, adam got on the drums and he just you know he asked jamie if he could play his drums and we we're taking a break and i think alexa had made some muffins she really was sort of our den mom as a little fledgling band and uh <laughs> so we we're eating some muffins and uh and adam gets on the drums and like i can tell within like 12 seconds that, that he is the best drummer i have ever heard up close holy shit yeah it was amazing it was absolutely amazing and uh so he just he just played a little bit of whatever you know what 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 he does when he encounters a strange kit and just sits down at it and like whops out some some licks that are his you know go-to licks i guess to try out a kit and at that point i was just i i, I felt like uh something had really sort of changed in the atmosphere for me um wow yeah yeah because i knew right then like that was he was our future you know that's and awesome it, it was and but you know what though it was when i did one of my like i think one of my most serious like dick moves uh <laughs> it's just like just not calling jamie and davy like, oh really I that know, was the last yeah that was their last gig yes session? <laughs> i know i now know that that is called ghosting 
Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a name for it back then. No, there wasn't. It was just but the behavior a, still existed. Yeah, it was just being like a, a passive aggressive a kind of total a hole. Yeah, total a hole. Like, like, uh, yeah, dread <laughs> of confrontation. And so um, I just, uh, I, 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 I think I called a little huddle with um, Tynan and Matt and said, this guy is our future man. He is amazing. We have got to play with him and we've got to stop messing around with, with these guys. And wow. I, I'm not sure if, I mean, I, I know that, I know that Matt and Tynan recognized that Adam was a like supreme musician, but I don't think they, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if they had the same sort of inkling of, of like, this is, this is really serious, you know? And so, but anyways, we started then playing over at Adam's place and Adam had a, um, uh, a warehousey loft place again, a, you know, sort of pre-gentrification. Uh, this this place was uh, um, San Leandro Boulevard, um, East East Oakland. So there's a you know whole, I think I think maybe like east even of where the ghost ship was, but it was it was one of those. Um, you know, there, there were a lot of these converted uh, industrial spaces that were like big uh, rabbit warrens full of uh, bohemians of various stripes. And, um, yep. and they had little courtyards and, and uh, Adam's place was really, really cool. It was extremely cool. Uh, you know, you walk in there and it's kind of this, it feels like a kind of enclosed low ceiling, um, almost like some sort of stalls on your left and right side. And then you just, you and then the space opens up and it's a two-story uh space a big two-story space so the ceiling's like oh, at least 20 feet off the floor and big huge windows and then there's a staircase up the up the side and then over those sort of stall-like rooms uh at the entrance was a kitchen and um so it was like this kitchen with um, on a mezzanine with it was just really really neat so we played over there for a long time um we played over there and uh, uh, it was so it was the four of us, and um, so I was playing guitar, and Adam's playing drums, and Matt and Tynan were just singing, and that's how we were for I don't know the first many months of the band uh, was um, no bass, um, two vocals, guitar and drums, and and there was a really neat, fun, weird uh, dialogue going on between Tynan and Matt in the in the singing and the um, in their lyric writing and singing. And, and we just, we had some very strange, uh, epic sort of songs that we never recorded that, um, that involved, yeah, like not a dialogue necessarily with each other, but, um, in relationship to each other, for sure. They were, they were sort of encountering each other sometimes at these weird angles, uh, lyrically, <laughs> lyrically, and, and, and then the sounds of their uh, voices and stuff. So they would both write independently and yeah. then, yeah. Come together and make some kind of weird. Uh, well, I, I'm not sure that they were. Uh, I think Matt was often just sort of writing on the spot. And I think Tynan, well, uh, I think Tynan, um, uh, well, no, I, 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 you know, I don't really know. I shouldn't really say because I, I don't really know. I, but, but it's not as if each one came to a song with a finished set of lyrics. Um, it's, I think if, you know, what they had, uh, ideas that were, that came from outside of a particular 
session or that they brought in from somewhere else that that uh, they allowed them to sort of meld. So if you listen to our first record, there's a bunch of that stuff where I'm trying to do Nat's parts and I and I almost find I find that record hard to listen to because I just hear how how poorly I I, I render what Nat was doing with with such uh, oh man such uh, verve such uh, yeah. liveliness and I vigor yeah vigor and vigor yeah it's amazing yeah he's uh, got quite a presence god damn stage. it's and amazing it, it is amazing and it took it, it it took a while to get him ready to to sing too he was not he did not uh, I mean, he was not really interested on and being on stage in front of people or, or he, at least he, it seemed like he had to overcome some obstacles. I mean, I remember him telling us that um, when he was playing with uh, singing with some people in, um, in Ohio uh, when he was in high school, I guess that he would, he would, he would sing from inside a refrigerator box uh, because <laughs> he was, he didn't, didn't want to be like in front of everybody, you know, didn't want to be seen. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I can yeah. really, I can totally see that too. Yeah, you know, he's a very like you can tell, you can tell that there's a there's a real um, there's a lot going on under the surface with him, and and yeah, uh, yeah. paradoxically, that's you can see that on the surface. <laughs> there's a, there's right. a lot going on under the surface. Right. So okay. So then then we uh, we were doing this for some number of months, just this lineup, and uh, and we we talked about and finally agreed to audition bass players try and find someone to play bass for us mm-hmm. um and i think we tried out maybe i don't know three or four people mainly through word of mouth including uh um uh the bass player who went on to play with fuck ted ellison who All right. was he was wonderful he had great energy we really liked him a lot but it just didn't didn't, didn't feel right and so we played with I don't know, three or four people and it didn't feel right. And, uh, and finally, um, I think at this point, uh, Tynan had started, she Tynan had got herself a guitar and, uh, we, we kind of urged her to play bass lines on her guitar and that she did. And she's really, really good. She was really creative and really good and came up with having never played it or practiced or anything before i don't think so i mean she's as i recall she started out uh like with with i mean i'm not sure that she ever played uh an instrument before i don't know but uh, it was clear that it was um it was very new to her playing guitar and then um and then i think she would say that we browbeat her into taking up the bass (laughs) <laughs> but we did definitely like we did definitely say well you know what you're doing is amazing and it would be so much more amazing on bass because then we would be like an actual band yeah that's the instrument that's missing yeah clearly. so he, and and then she still sang so it's not like she had to give up that yeah that's right and and um and so she got a bass she got a a, a bass from this guy uh ron who was an instrument builder and he worked at uh, fat dog guitars in Berkeley. And he, um, he, he put together this really nice old uh, Gibson short scale bass for her. Had a, had like a, had a, like an automobile, like a, a paint job, like, like a fl- metallic metal flake paint job that he'd done, which was just super cool. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and she, she was 
like just super, super good. She was really, really inventive and really good. And so we just started writing and, and uh, we, we took a lot of stuff we'd written with her on guitar or then her not even playing and, and put, um, you know, what she worked out bass lines for that stuff. And, and um, oh man, I'm just still amazed when I listen to her, uh, her bass lines. They're just, they're pretty badass. They're pretty badass. And they just got more and more badass. And, you know, I sent you a, a, a recording of some stuff that, that we had planned to record uh, at Lowdown uh, before she quit the band. And uh, I think, you know, her playing on, on those tunes is just breathtaking. So, so anyway, yeah. that, was, that was when we hit, uh, we hit our stride. And then uh, Nat says that he can't be in the band anymore. Ugh. Did he? I can't remember if he told you about that, but uh, he we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was sort of pushed by one of his professors That's to right. choose either art or music, which to me is criminal that a teacher would say that to a student. Yeah, uh, and that he actually followed through. You know, he was strongly encouraged to give up music in pursuit of art. Yeah, yeah, which is such bullshit. Because why? Why not do both? He's such a genius, and, and yeah. why not like have it all come out? You know. Yeah, it was. I guess. I guess in terms of dedication, they didn't believe that he could put all of his energy into both things. Or it could have just been that that guy was just you know domineering and didn't even think about what Nat wanted or what he was capable of. He just was That's like totally possible too. You know, uh, I, I, parenthetically, I will say I I had the same uh, experience when I was in high school with a um, a mentor of mine who, uh, from whom I was learning about music and learning guitar. And I was also uh, doing a lot of photography in, in high school and spent a lot of time in the dark room and just really, really was into it. And, uh, and this guy told me when I was probably 15, you got to pick one, you can't do photography and music. And, uh, and, and I listened, you know, I thought, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's, he's, you know, older and wiser and he's a really yeah. good musician. So that's, I, there is some truth to the to the idea that like you know if you put all of your attention on one thing you're probably going to do it. You know, I don't know about better necessarily, but you'll be just be more devoted to that the pursuit of that thing, so you can really get into it. But I don't think you should ever tell a kid not to pursue a yeah. creative. Thank you. Uh, anything. You know, <laughs> Thank <I don't>... you. <laughs> Story starts. Somebody once and couldn't get over it. Should be and just got hit by another car. 
we we ended up losing Matt, and I think that first record would have been way better if you were still in the band. Uh, and yeah, it was right as you guys were getting that's right starting to heat up, right? That's right, that's right. And uh, and I and mean, I know it was heartbreaking for him too. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but I I just know that he really had a hard time with that decision. Yeah, want to make it. I don't think he just walked away like it was nothing. No, I know. I I don't mean to give that impression at all because you know he's a he was very serious. I mean, he is a very serious person. He was a very serious person, and and uh, and and so we took him very seriously. We I don't remember us trying to change his mind or mm-hmm. or bring him back. I mean, uh, but it was it was definitely it was a loss. Yeah, um, yeah and then. Uh, so he, yeah, he. So I guess this record, that first record, we um, came out in 1990, um, and it was. Uh, I can't remember if uh, if you learned this from either of the other fellows, uh, but this was it counted as Tynan's senior thesis, as I recall. Oh, I don't think we did talk about that. <laughs> no. All right. Well, uh, and uh, in fact. If memory serves, Tynan actually financed uh, some of it, <laughs> if not most of it, um, and then uh, and then I believe uh, we were required to uh, pay that back out of uh, money that we made playing gigs. Oh, okay. I could be misremembering that, but that's my impression. Um, uh, and so that, uh, that record was super exciting, uh, for us. And, um, we recorded a bunch of it at my friend's place. Oh, well, we did all the basics with Mark Zanandrea, uh, engineering, um, right. up at uh, my friend Jay's place in, uh, in Marin County in San Anselmo, because he had a, he had a big house and lots of mics and a really nice, uh, setup. And then we, uh, mixed it, uh, with, uh, Greg Freeman at Lowdown. Um, and then the covers that was our, this, this guy, Pete LeCompte, I told you about before who I was living with, with Matt and Doug at the warehouse space. It was, he was doing a lot of silk screening and he offered to silk screen the covers. And so, uh, I don't know if you've seen that record, but there's, there's, I think there's four colors on one side and two colors on the other. And there were 300 of those. Uh, and, and so I, I, I went to work with him and, um, holy The mackerel. first record, sorry, the name of the first record? Grain. Is... That's right. Yeah. I have seen that somewhere. I think on tape, though. Is it possible? Is it on a tape? Well, if somebody taped it for you, then totally. The, the, the next thing we released was called Asthma, and it was a tape. It was released as a cassette. That I definitely remember. Yeah. The... And, and it's one of my favorites. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, a lot of, I have a lot of favorites. So oh, good. Are, it's in there. That's great. The green was, um, had the, the cover was a box of bok choy. Uh, Tynan had taken a picture of a box of bok choy, a box of bok, a bok, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at, a bo- um, a, I think it's a bok of box choy, I'm pretty sure. That's yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to pronounce it. She was, she, we, we, we um, because that uh, that loft was down at um, 4th, 4th Street, 4th and Harrison, and, and uh, Jack London Square, um, we spent a lot of time down there. Nat lived there, I lived there, Tynan came over a lot. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it seemed like that, that produce district, um, kind of cast a, cast some light on us or, I don't know, gave us some flavor. And so for the cover, Tynan wanted the bok choy, uh, uh, 
uh, box and so shot it and then uh, yeah um, Pete made a silk screen out of it and I think we spent like 30 hours almost straight working on those those covers uh, took we took over an entire studio at um, uh, CCAC where where um, where Pete was working on his stuff and man that was that was a That's marathon awesome. it was amazing that guy is a he's a master he's a master silk screener um and uh so yeah that was that was really exciting and uh we we um i don't know we we tried to get everybody to listen to it and we you know would send it to all the all the local uh rags and tried to get reviews and just try to get shows and we were really hustling and it was around yeah. then it was around then too that uh that doug uh, schneider got the merchants bar going and merchants was second and franklin uh this just really just gnarly gnarly bar it was full of like <laughs> hell's angels and they would open up to six for the produce guys getting off shift and so that place would be packed at like six in the morning uh, with people having their Whoa. after work uh after work beer and yeah yeah it was gnarly and he was down there bartending it was a couple blocks from the place from the the um the warehouse space we were living in and um yeah he just he was really he, he said this we should have some music over here um so uh, I started uh, my career, my my brief career as a as a booker for this place, and you know there was such a um, a lack of venues in the East Bay at this point, especially after the earthquake. But even I think even before there weren't that many places for indie music, so we got a lot of interest and a lot of bands. Um, as, as you know, the word word traveled really fast that there was a venue. A new venue and so it was really busy and um that's cool oh, we had it was it, we had tons and tons of, of bands coming through there from all over the place and um and can you list a few of them do you remember a few offhand well red house painters did one of their first gigs there that's cool it was amazing they sent a demo it was like a you know a demo tape like any other and uh, and so i was listening to this stuff and basically just booking the stuff i thought i could stand for a night um, and, and you were the sole yeah. choice maker. Yeah, I was, I was until, um, uh, I, I, uh, handed it off to Lexa who, who, uh, did the same job for quite a while before she moved up to the, um, oh, that restaurant, the Heinz club, the Chinese restaurant that, um, oh, okay. she did a, an amazing series. She was way, way, way better at it than I was. I mean, she had a sense that, I mean, she had a sense that she was curating something, you know? Uh, I, yeah. I, I did not at all. I mean, I, I, I knew that, that what I was doing, what we were, what Doug was doing by hosting it, you know, by making it possible and sort of protecting us from the owners of the place. Um, because, you know, we were only charging two bucks a head to get in and, um, uh, the good old days. Yeah. And the, but the, the thing was like, it was all just extra customers for the, uh, <laughs> for the bar, like the, right. for the, for a long time, the bar just, the, the, the owners just were, were not, were not paying attention, didn't care, you know, as long as the, the, uh, till kept up. And were the other customers there okay with the bands you were booking or were they freaked out by them? No, this is another thing that is just, was so fortuitous about the place because uh, the, the have you ever have you been in there merchants no i don't think i have well it's got two at least it did anyways have these two rooms these two long uh rooms one was the bar with a long bar running down one side of it and then uh behind uh the bar um 
there was another room that was a band room and there was nothing else back there. There was a pool table and like a, a couch and a, and, a, and, a, and a washing machine and like this an nice. area that like the, where the stage was, was basically like right up against the back door that, that opened onto um, uh, second street. And, um, uh, and there's this little sort of balcony over the stage. So this, the, the, so the whole place, the ceiling was probably, I don't know, 18 feet high. And right above the stage was this little, uh, balcony with a couch on it. And, and so there was nothing back there. It was just a, an empty room. And, uh, so I, I rounded up a cheap PA and some gear and like, nobody cared. Nobody on the bar side seemed to seem to care. I think, I think they, I think probably they thought it was kind of cute, you know, or <laughs> I guess we're talking about some, some hardcore, it was, a, it was definitely a hardcore place. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you said Hell's Angels, I was just trying to picture Little Mai or Red House Painters or somebody like, you know, playing in front of them, but well, I guess it, they were kind of not in front of them. They were back in the yeah, that, hidden room. It was just, it was really, really fortuitous. It was really fortuitous. So it gave us a, um, you know, a little space that was ours. And it seems like, I don't know, I think even, even then I and uh, other folks who were doing this knew that like the one thing you definitely need is space. You need a place to do the stuff. And, right. and, uh, and so this was it. And it was really, it was really comfortable and really cozy and got a lot of, you know, I got a lot of help from, from Ken and other neighbors and friends who were totally into it. So I can't, I mean, I, I could, I could look up some of the bands that played there. Ken made some funny calendars for us. And, uh, but the ones I remember most are having the most fun with were spot 1019. They did some amazing shows there and red house painters were totally, totally mesmerizing. Carlos, do you know Carlos? I do. Yeah. I, I think that might've been like their first or second show, uh, when, um, they sent me their, their demo tape. And I just, I just was, I, fell in love with them immediately and we became band buddies after they played there and got to know each other. Yeah, I saw a bunch of shows. Well, I saw at least some with the two of you. Um, but I didn't realize you were the reason they entered that circle. Well, they would have entered it one way or another. I just happened to, you know, hear their tape, love it, and like call them immediately and say, come play. And oh, <laughs> they were cool. still all living with their parents down the, you know, peninsula or something. Not the peninsula, down in like Fremont or something. That's amazing. Yeah. They were so good. And Doug was like 18. I think the other guys were 21. Uh, but like, yeah, Doug was like 18, I think, when they first playing. And um, uh, Paw Paw Blowtorch, uh, they sent me a tape at just uh, immediately, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. Like, like, but I was just so, I was just following my taste. And so. Um, but that's so cool that you were the, you were the first booker that that venue ever had and got to shape the, that whole part of Oakland like what you know it became an it became known sounds like instantly yeah it did because it, it was just such a need and so you know I, I think it was when um, I think I passed it on to Lexa uh, uh, when the bar owner started to take an interest in it and I just thought oh man <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to have to justify what I'm doing or right. you know the man just got involved I'm out of here. Yeah, but Lexa was she had been a super uh you know energetic uh participant and uh so it just seemed natural and she was totally into it. And um nice. and then I I started working over at the Stork Club after that and started doing some shows over there. 
and then that that place took off so yeah with the magic touch well it was just purely you know um what a this this, just this this knowledge that there has to be space i want space i want shows uh you know because there was there was nothing there was nothing in the east bay there was that, that one that place um that had a lot of heavy metal that like two-story huge place by oh, i'm sorry i can't help you with it i, I don't know I, 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 like i had a, I had some yeah anyways but anyway back to little my you, you, you wanted to you were the booker but also you wanted a place to play absolutely so that was your spot okay yeah so we played there a bunch of course um, uh-huh. but we also, you know, we, we, we did a lot of gigs in San Francisco and those were really, really fun. There's some really great places like the blue lamp. I don't know. Did you ever get to the blue lamp? I did, but probably once. Oh, that was a really fun place to play. I don't know. Something about it. Something about it was just cozy and, and, uh, funky and uh, felt good. Sounded good. Um, nice. we, uh, 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 we, we played the six feet rendezvous a few times. Um, uh, one time with this, with the, you know, I'm, th- I'm just talking about the three piece we played at, well, we, uh, oh man, these, the, the names of the places are totally escaping me uh, places that was near where you lived. Um, had been the chameleon. Remember the chameleon, right? right? Oh yeah. We played over there a bunch. Um, I actually was booking there too. I did. I started booking some <laughs> nights there working with um, uh, uh, the, the person who was uh, working with the main booker and I was doing a few nights a week over there. So of course I got us in and nice. Carlos and Papa Blowtorch. I think that one, one of the epic shows was Carlos, Papa Blowtorch and us. It was super duper fun. One time we were driving over there. Uh, we uh, Before we ever had a van, we had um, Adam's family station wagon from the seventies is a gigantic, gigantic station wagon called Tyrone that Adam, <laughs> Adam had had when I think his, his parents had had when they were living uh, in Palo Alto. And so, so we, we would drive, we'd pack, we could pack everything at the Tyrone, the three of us, Adam, Tynan and me and our gear. Uh, into All the, the instruments. But you know, it's like one of those giant, giant wagons uh, right. that um, are, are, are sort of objects of fun or of humor these days. Uh, and we broke down one time on like the crest of the um, Bay Bridge, which was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. We broke down and we're like 300 feet above uh, the water and there's cars like whizzing uh, past us. And, you know, we don't You're have right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ugh, right in the middle. Awful. And uh, and I don't Have you ever broken down on the Bay Bridge? No, but I've seen many, many, many cars that have, and I feel terrible. I would stop and help them if it weren't <laughs> no, so dangerous. No, no, do not. This is what I learned. Uh, there are Caltrans superheroes who are so on it, man. I don't think, I'm not even sure we even made it to a call box before this Caltrans truck uh, uh, showed up and um, totally just hooked us up, like towed, towed the car uh, into the city. We're all sitting, the three of us up, in this gigantic uh, tow truck with the Caltrans guy, and and he's he could see that we're a band. He see the the um, the, the station wagon full of gear, and um, and I don't know how we did it. It must have just been uh, our lucky day. But we mentioned that we were going to the Chameleon uh, down on it's Valencia Street, right? 
yeah yeah valencia and like 16th or whatever it was and and um you know we we, we gotta we gotta get there um we got a sound check and you know it's really it's really it's a big deal for us uh and he drove us there <laughs> he drew he, he towed our car he towed tyrone all the way to the club and the gear and the That's gear amazing and and he he parked us he like he found a parking place within like a block and a half of the club and 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 you know this put it in the spot yes yeah this guy's <laughs> like a just like i think caltrans must only like move the super ninja tow trucker people into the bay bridge duty because it's incredible it was incredible that's amazing yeah that's we were, really great it was great and we got all so the, you made it to the show we made it to the show just like in the movies man we made it to the show we had a fantastic fucking show we left our gear there of course i got rides home with friends uh and then um i think adam came back uh went back there the next day and uh had someone look at it it was like a thermostat right like a 13 dollar uh, part right. and a thermostat put into the radiator and i, I can't remember if he it might have been just just him that like reloaded the car brought it all back over but yeah it was that was magic man that's i remember just feeling like oh god this place is amazing this place is incredible like you think the, the worst nightmare in the world is uh at least mine probably was breaking down the bay bridge and then man you learn you learn the secret uh the secret knowledge which is the bay bridge has this incredible uh you know sort of behind the scenes uh crew who swoop in and <laughs> they'll I, do anything for you it's they'll amazing show, show up and whisk you off to your wildest dreams well in, in fact okay that was not that was not the last time i broke down uh on the bay bridge it happened to be two more really times. oh yeah yeah two more times two more times uh with not not with the band not with not with a car full of gear but with my own car uh with all its problems um and one time uh it it definitely happened one of those two times that uh this person towed me all the way to my house in west oakland <laughs> that's awesome yeah i know i know I, I i can't remember what happened the the other time the third time but Maybe they're just looking for somebody to hang out with. And whenever somebody breaks down, they're like, what do you want to do? Yeah, it's, it's either that or like back to the, you know, back bat cave or the. Yeah. What else are they going to be doing? <laughs> Might as well go take a detour and do something fun. So that's just one of those, like, how would you ever know that, that there is this. You got to break down on the bridge mystery, to find out. This mystery resource, you know? Right. Uh, yeah.
sometimes oh. and sometimes there were five people living in there so you know for months at a stretch we'd be paying less than 100 bucks a month per person for rent and so this meant that you know we could uh we could do basically almost nothing for a job right you know <laughs> that, that's the best but that's, that's how, my favorite kind of work that's like what that's how that's how ken's place was uh, he he um he and lexa and some members of Fibulator lived upstairs on 716 Peralta. So Ken was a huge, huge influence. Ken was running, was doing shows out of his place. Uh, and so when I got, I, I met Ken at this fat dog guitar place in Berkeley. And, uh, and just immediately I, I overheard him talking to, to Ron and the and fat dog the, about the shows he was doing. And I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta know this guy. I gotta, I, I so I just, you know, took myself in hand and went and, and, and introduced <laughs> myself, you know, I introduced myself to Ken and then that left, led to what has become a lifelong uh, friendship. But, you know, so our, I remember dropping a tape off. I was telling him about the band, you know, we got this new band. It's really weird. It's really cool. And he said, I'm so psyched. I want to hear it. And so I, I remember like dropping a tape off at his place and just praying that he would listen to it and call me and give us a gig, you know? Yeah. And, and he did. And, and, uh, uh, so you know, so his his place at seven sixteen Peralta was hugely important. He would have hundreds of people in there. Uh, Just a regular flat. Yeah, well, it was not a regular or, flat. It was a was big it a house. house. Okay. It was the upstairs of a big house, but all of the or not all, but most of the interior walls have been taken out. So oh, wow. it, it would have been like a big apartment. It would have been a big upstairs, you know, of a duplex uh, that might have had you know six bedrooms or four bedrooms or something. But like it was just this enormous, you know. 40, 50 foot long space. So cool. Yeah, it was so cool. And he had a stage in there and a sound system and they just had shows. And so he lived there with a bunch of roommates and, you know, sometimes I can't remember how often, but it seemed like every month or so there was some just big gnarly show in there. And so, you know, it was, it was very exciting for us to play our first one. So, yeah, uh, I, I look back on this and I think, you know, how did I, how did I avoid disaster? How did I manage to <laughs> avoid disaster? How did I manage to like develop friendships uh, with these other amazing people, amazing musicians, people like, like, you know, for a long time, the only contemporary music I listened to at all was basically other bands of, of, uh, that were friends. Mm -hmm. Like I listened to Henry Mancini and Slint and Mission of Burma. And then like <laughs> all of our other, uh, all of our other friends. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, we had enough of them. Yeah. There were tons of bands to choose from. Yeah. 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 And we just, you know, I, I could, I could reel out some, some crazy adventures, but, um, uh, I, so I, I, so that's all I, we're still just, uh, you know, at the three piece, uh, lineup, we had this amazing, weird, crazy fucked up trip down to Los Angeles. We, um, uh, we went there, uh, uh, Adam Tynan and me, I can't remember what vehicle we used, but we drove down there, uh, for a show, maybe I think for, for a couple of shows. And, um, and, uh, we, we stopped at the, the club. We got to the club. I, we, you know, drove all the way down and got to the club at like five, I think 5 PM or 6 PM or something of the night of the show or first show. And the place was out of business. Oh, shit. <laughs> and nobody told us that's we, ridiculous yeah, we were all booked and all ready to go and we got down there the place was out of business we we're like oh geez now what and so we like we pulled you know we pulled over 
and uh, and we're wandering around this neighborhood. I can't remember what neighborhood it was. And then we found this little cafe where there was a band playing. And they, <laughs> they were a band called Monk, M-U-N-K. And they were amazing. They were so good and so weird. And we felt like immediately like kindred spirits. And, uh, and I think, I, I don't, you know, I could just, at this point, I may be just making this up, but like, I think we may even have played that night in that cafe a little bit. <laughs> on their bit, instruments. On their instruments. But, nice. but uh, oh shit, you know, and then I think it was the next night we had a show uh, booked that where the place had not gone out of business. It was still there. And we were on the bill with Charles Brown Superstar. And uh, right. who was in Charles Brown Superstar? But Scotty Chapman. Oh, your later bass yeah. player. Yeah, so we got to know her. We, I mean, we got a, we became acquainted uh, with her the, the, when the three of us were down there, and it was a f- just crazy. Like LA was so crazy. We always felt like such aliens down there, and it turned out that this was a place where um, where every uh, audience member or everybody entering the club, if they were you know paying the um, uh, the cover charge, they had to say what band they were there to see. Oh, and, weird. Yeah, and then and then that you know money would be given to the bands that were playing based on who, oh, I see. who said you know how many people said they were there to see them. That makes sense. Well, yeah, sort still of. weird. I mean, it, yeah, I mean it, to me, to us it was evidence of just of LA's just creepiness and yeah. But we got to know them a little bit. They were great. They were fun and um, and and uh, I think well we uh, we exchanged information with them because they were groovy and scotty liked our band a lot and then um at some point like maybe five six months after that was right around the time uh titan quit the band and scotty called said she was moving to uh san francisco uh did i have any suggestions about like how to look where to look for a place or you know right just could i could i be a could i be of any help um helping her to 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 move. And, uh, and I said, you know, yes, but also are you interested in playing bass with our band? <laughs> and she said, totally. So, so she, uh, she started playing with us, I guess in 94. Uh, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize it was, so that was before Nat had come back at all. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cause we were practicing at that, uh, at that place on seventh street, but this, you know, condemned Klein village, 1608 right. seventh street, uh, where I was living. And, um, and so Nat was uh, still using that as a studio. So we were playing, uh, we were, you know, working with Scotty, uh, writing new material and practicing. Uh, and then Nat is right in the same room with us, just on the other side of a little partition doing, doing sculpture and painting and, you know, whatever other weird shit that he's doing. And believing that he's not supposed to be also making music. Yes. Yes, <laughs> believing, like having, and and something just burst in him. I, uh, you know, like he just couldn't, he he, he couldn't uh, maintain that uh, that boundary. I can imagine. How, yeah. I mean, it's it's not just any band; it's his band. It's that, the band he was in. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. And it must have sounded great, and he just pulled back to it. Yeah, I think so. And and it was, I mean, so how long did that take? The process of like absorbing, reabsorbing that. Well, it took certainly some months because we wrote and, uh, yeah, we wrote a bunch of stuff uh, without him. Um, and at that time, uh, we had 
this 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 uh, drummer uh, Jamie, who I had been such a dick to before, had evidently gotten over that, um, and he was then working on a, um, a a degree of some kind at San Francisco State that involved uh, using their uh, studios and working in their recording studios. And so he invited us to record. So we went, we, we worked up some material and went over to San Francisco state and recorded a couple tracks with him. Um, and, uh, and so it, it felt really, you know, we had some good gigs. We got some really good, good gigs. I guess we still had some, uh, interest in us from, you know, just being, being a known quantity in the Bay area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were, we were definitely cruising and then, this must have been some months uh, because um, I, it, we went to like there's a there's a uh, a video of us from uh, Starry Plow uh, that I put up on our website and you can and and this video kind of re- reminds me of how that how that went. We um, the first I don't know five songs or four songs are just the three of us, me and Scotty and Adam, uh, and then Nat joins for the you know second half of the set. Oh, cool. because because we had written a bunch of songs without him right <laughs> you know and so what we would do i guess would, would be to get those songs out of the way and then get him on stage to uh to sing for the ones that he he'd worked on with us right yeah and, we were... and then he just started to hang out and stay like get back into writing and yeah yeah nice. and and from there uh from there, it, he was just a member of the band, and I—I I don't know. I think, in retrospect, Scotty might have been a little bit irked. Uh, I, I'm not sure that we really totally got permission from her. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, uh, she was. She, she never. She never really seemed like she was that into it. But again, also, she, like she was extremely gifted, really, really good. She wrote amazing amazing bass lines just absolutely amazing so um uh one of my favorite songs uh landlocked sailor that's her bass line and oh cool yeah yeah and and it's it's for me that that bass line is one of the most wonderful pieces of music i know it's this beautiful loping you know you know alternating measures of five and six that just Oh, they just sort of just lope along and unfold, but but bring you along with them with this sort of little hiccup in the in, in, in the meter, you know. And
Um, so she left. I can't remember what the circumstances were or how uh, how she parted. Uh, and then uh, we asked our friend Ken, the aforementioned Ken, uh, who, right. who had been playing for years with Fibulator, who were I don't know if you ever saw them, but they were I did, yeah, totally different planet. You know, yeah, it was awesome. Totally amazing. They were this absolutely their own thing. And, um, and we made some really, really great music with him, but he was having problems of his own. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was unable to, uh, to stick it out. And in fact, left town and, and left us kind of high and dry, but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, he had to, he had to look after himself and that was really, that was good. Um, and, uh, and so we're now talking about, uh, I guess, 95 96 and uh and then and then there's rick 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 fucking rick man i what i what i didn't mention so far and what i what you may not ever know or have known is that uh, rick and adam and i played in another band together and i don't think i did know that yes it was, was that a big secret uh not intentionally <laughs> okay this band was the three of us and chris langan who was one of the singers for fibulator and okay it was called plaster man and oh i did i heard about that did you hear about plaster I, man yeah but i don't think i knew it was you guys yeah we never did a single show okay uh, but we wrote a lot of tunes we wrote a lot of music and had some really just fucked up interesting stuff that we were playing and and so this was you know this was uh, nineteen well, it could have been as early as eighty nine but it's definitely nineteen ninety that was uh, and and Rick I believe was not even twenty maybe just twenty at this point I was very very young also like just blazingly amazingly embarrassingly talented musician and so he and I would work on stuff and we'd just we'd you know we'd we'd work on uh, guitar and bass parts we'd trade off guitar and bass and we'd make these crazy crazy ornate compositions like hours of concentration uh sitting on chairs just you know two feet apart from each other like no this no this no this no oh yes yes right you know and uh, it was it was it was really cool and so you know adam was totally into it and chris was a you know just amazing uh embodying all kinds of different characters and, and, uh, forces. Uh, so, so we, you know, we'd known, we knew Rick, we knew Rick could do it. Um, but you know who auditioned, uh, before we settled on Rick? Who's that? Klaus Floride. Wait, who's, who's that? He's the bass player from the dead Kennedys. Oh shit. (laughs) He was a fan. That's awesome. Yeah. And I can't remember how he knew. I, I think he was playing in another band uh, with another friend, like a um, a band called Five Year Plan. And I think we'd done a couple shows with them. So he was a fan of ours and he heard that we were looking for a bass player and he came over and played with us. And he was playing this Fender six string guitar bass, which is a really cool instrument. And I, I think he's the only person I've ever seen use that in a you know, punk band or an indie band. Mm-hmm. So anyways, he was really, really good, but he was he was not our, uh, he was not our man. Um, but you know, what we did learn at that uh, session when we played with him was that, um, his day job was a travel agent. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yes. And his phone number five one Oh go Klaus. <laughs> That's incredible. It? Yeah. It was very precious. Uh, so, but, but, um, but you know, somehow we, we like, we, we finally like connected with Rick and said, 
I think it, I think we might have even been kind of sheepish about it. Rick, would you play with us, please? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's like, sure. You know, he's so inscrutable, man. So uh, I think you know we. I, I imagine that we approached him having no sense of if it would be something he'd find appealing at all. Right. Um, but he totally did. And boy, man, he jumped in with both feet and we started working. Yeah, he did. He oh. learned that stuff so fast oh, and, man. Was, and then brought his own flair to it. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. I mean, I was watching you guys shows throughout that whole period. I didn't get to every one of them, but I've, I saw versions of every version of little Mai that existed as far as I know. Wow. Um, which I'm really happy about. Me too. And, um, and yeah, so when Rick joined, it was because I, I, you know, even the stuff you talked about, the behind the scenes stuff, I didn't, wasn't there for, but I remember hearing things like these difficult, oh shit, we need a bass player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, something happened. And um, when Rick came along, it was, it was as if everybody had known everybody for the feeling from where I stood was that it was like, Oh, cool. It's Rick. Like everybody already knew him. He already knew. Yeah. He, he just like fell in and started playing and he was brilliant. And it was, yeah, I don't it, know. I'm, it was, I'm not doing much to describe it. Well, I think you are. I, I, it, 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 uh, I, it really felt like the, the puzzle piece, the correct puzzle piece had been uh, finally found, you know, yeah, that's and, what I'm trying to say. And the four of us just really just, yeah, instantly melded. And uh, we, we, it, was, it, it wasn't that long after Rick joined that Matt announced that uh, he had to quit again to, uh. to go to Iowa, to go to Iowa for his, uh, his MFA. Right. And, uh, and I, I think, you know, Adam and I looked at each other and we're like, well, we don't even have to think about, you know, replacing Nat because that's just, you know, that, that, that with he, if he goes, that's it. Or when, yeah. when he goes, that's it. So this is, um, I, I, I believe I remember talking to you and other folks around this time at, uh, about this, that we just, we just decided to, uh, I don't know, explicitly or implicitly decided to just squeeze as much juice out of the band as we could knowing that we had a certain number of months i think it was like six or seven months before that took off so we took every show we could get we played for hours and hours several days a week at the studio just working on stuff and playing and having a good time you know just just soaking it up playing as much as we could because it was so so fun and uh and you know it, it was in this flurry of intense activity that we played at your place which right. I will tell you was one of the most uh, important, wonderful shows ever for me uh, because of what happened. You know, we, we, you asked us to play uh, and we said, yes, absolutely. And then I think you got in touch not even, I mean, less than a week before saying, I just heard from, I just, what I remember you saying, I just heard from my landlord that if we have a band in here, he's going to kick us out. Or something like that. Is that was, is that accurate? You know, your memory is probably better than mine, even though I was directly involved. But um, I I'll, I believe I'll believe that that's what happened. Okay, I don't well, remember that. What happened? Exactly. What I remember was that you or one of your roommates, but I think it was you, said, 
we got to cancel it. We can't have it. We can't have a band in here, you know, uh, because we're going to just get in huge trouble. We've been warned. We have been warned. And so uh, the, the four of us talked about it and we just decided, let's just play really quietly. We'll bring all of our like huge rock gear set up in there and play as quietly as we possibly can. And we practiced. We practiced playing quietly, and uh, and so I remember that we we brought all of our gear over and and put it in your place, uh, and it's all squeezed together, and we're like playing our huge amps and drum sets so quietly that you could have a conversation like six feet away, right? And something about the that constraint of playing so quietly just. It was magic. It was magic. I remember having such a good time and feeling like, you know, we were doing something so, so special, so unusual and so special. And like, Nat didn't even need a PA, you know, he could just, he was just singing. He was singing he had, quietly. He had the, um, the sort of bullhorn lampshade right. type thing that he made. Yeah. But as I recall, like, that. but he, but he, he wasn't, he wasn't raising his voice. I mean, that guy does no. have some serious lungs but uh but it was yeah i don't know so that was a that was a real high point for me that was a magical night it was really super fun and i remember going to the bathroom in your place and there being some like some like transistor radio little size box in the toilet playing special music like some weird like some ambient loop or something yeah i think i might have set up some little some little <laughs> secondary, you know, in case you need to be in there a while. It was, it was wonderful. It was it. wonderful. It was like a little, like, you know, booth of, of tranquility. Or something. That's great. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that all these years later that it served its purpose. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think you might have had some, like, uh, some some very low lights, like some like a few Christmas lights or something in there. I just remember this is... This is the nicest place I've ever peed. <laughs> That's really amazing. Perfect. I'm honored. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at that time, we too, we, we, we went into the studio. We worked on that last uh, record. And I don't know, man. I just remember getting a lot of joy and satisfaction and, and you know, brotherhood and comradeship and everything with, with those fellows in those last months. For sure. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. And that's what it felt like for... Those of us on the outside, but you know, on the inside of the friend group, but yeah. not band members. But it just felt like so. It just felt like every time you got together, it was there was magic to be made. Yeah, it was, it was just so much fun, and people got way, way into it. I just remember losing my mind, thinking like these, the like watching Adam on drums is enough you know that's enough like if everybody else in the band sucked it would still be really great but then you're you're fucking incredible on guitar and had some really just unbelievably beautiful little riffs and melodies and things that aren't entirely your own thanks um and then yeah each each of the best the bass players brought their own thing um and then now yeah and that's voice and and personality and everything presence or i don't know it's just a bunch of like powerful really really sweet sensitive powerful individuals who are emitting like pure expression wow and, well and it's beautiful we were i believe we were feeling some uh 
some confidence, you know, in those last months before Nat took off, just feeling some like, yeah, feeling some confidence. And I don't know, man, Rick, Rick was, uh, just so bottomless. That guy just like, (laughs) you know, he's like, he's, he's sort of, he's hard to pin down. Doesn't really give you a lot to, 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 uh, work with, but, but holy mackerel, like he's, he's like, he's so, uh, he's so deep and he's very trustworthy. You know, he's very, very trustworthy person and, and musician. And so like, yeah, he, he, he fit with the three of us, like nobody else could have, I think. Almost everything uh, that we recorded is uh, available is out there. On, on our, at least on the website I just made. I don't know about anywhere else, uh, but so it, it, you may have to you may have to dig a little bit, but it's there. Inframaton. Inframaton.com. So yes, we changed the name of the band from Little Mai to Inframaton. Uh, that was um, something that uh, uh, we had to figure out before we put our before we put out another record. So we did, you know, we did a couple shows a few years ago as Little Mai with all our new tunes. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I remember Adam telling you about this, that that um, the name Little Mai just seemed like it had done its duty um, and, and its meaning had changed a lot. Uh, right. Yeah, since we, since we took it. Uh, so we gave it back up and it's pretty cool, but it's all new material, and yeah. um, so it's a new band. It's a new, new life. A new band of old men. That's right. <laughs> That's the best kind. <laughs> well, okay. So, like, can, can you remind me what it was that we were talking about before that you uh, wanted to revisit? Oh, what did I want to revisit? Well, one one thing that before I forget, I definitely wanted you to talk about was the van. The, the, the van, Coca Cola 
little my van. Yes. Well, okay. That was fifteen hundred dollars uh, from uh, Extall. Remember the band Extall? I don't know if I do. I, maybe I guess the name maybe, but I don't think I knew their music. Well, they were San Francisco band. They were really sweet uh, fellows. Uh, uh, not all fellows, uh, people, um, uh, and uh, they were they they. They had a band. They had a band when we needed one. I can't remember why exactly we needed one right then, uh, and and how it was. We found out that they had one for sale, but they had it. We needed it. Uh, we got it, and it was cheap, and it worked pretty much, pretty much. Was I, it after Adam's uh, wagon broke oh, down? Oh, totally. The yeah, long was after he was? he had had uh, at least two different uh, wagons since then. Okay. One of one but, of which was called uh, uh, Yeltsin. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you why i don't remember the tyrone name. and yeltsin yeah, yeah. Nice. um so the van uh we drove on another trip down to la when it was um the four of us with uh with scotty we drove down to la for a gig and to record at coop alley studio where we recorded a, a four song ep uh with her and um and with this with this guy tom grimley who had recorded her old band and some other la bands and so we drove down there uh, in the van. Uh, remarkably, it uh, it got us there and back. We had some real problems with that van, uh, uh, but um, but not this particular trip. And um, and Adam, uh, without I think without telling us what he was doing, he went out and got some art supplies, and we basically like woke up in L.A. at our friend Dow's house where we were where we uh, spent the night. And there he is, fucking putting little my in Coca Cola lettering on the side of the Coke van, on both sides of the Coke van. Uh, he did it. He did it without telling you guys. Yeah, he just he went out and did us. it during the night. Well, That's he, amazing. He surprised me. That's for sure. I mean, that that might have known, but I don't think Scotty did, and I know I did, uh, because you know the van was painted uh, red with the, I believe it's called the undulant wave device. I think I looked uh-huh. it up. You know, okay. the, the, the Coke wave, you know, like yep, the Nike absolutely. swoosh. I think if you look at the trademark, I think it's actually like the like the undulant wave device or something something like that. And That's ridiculous. Yeah, and he went and got art supplies and an X-Acto knife and some paint or whatever it was he needed and he fucking put that on there and he blew all our minds. It looked so cool. It was one of the coolest <laughs> things ever. I mostly saw the inside of it, you know, and then so um, uh, we had to get the springs rebuilt because even though the thing was extra long, it was not heavy duty. So we'd load the back end full of gear and it would take uh, the the the, the uh, springs in the back couldn't handle it. So they would it would actually like lift the front end uh, of, <laughs> of the van. So you'd be hurtling down the freeway and really unsure about the steering because there is less weight on the front wheels than you need to feel like you're really on the road right. gripping it, you know? That's amazing. So we had, yeah, that, that, was, that was quite a few hundred dollars at some spring place in Oakland. And, and then, um, oh man, that van needed serious, serious work. And then this buddy of ours uh, who had played in a band called Toast from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, who we got to know because we had this weird uh, fan base in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, this guy, he moved out to the Bay Area and uh, he's a, a construction person, building person. Um, and so he started, we, he was we, we were, he, he was my roommate for a while. And, and uh, so he was using the van uh, to do to do work. And he was hauling, he was hauling like cement 
blocks and big bags of sand and gravel and right you know and uh and and he was a little did we know he was destroying the van uh and so the another i don't know crazy bit of good fortune was after a day of running around you know all over the bay area doing his construction stuff with the van full of cement blocks or bags of sand or whatever it was he was driving back uh, approaching the house where we lived on uh, uh, on Lewis Street in West Oakland, and the axle locked on him, and he skidded basically into our parking place. What? Yes, yes. The car, like it, it, it. The axle seized. The car and the thing stopped running. The back wheel stopped turning. Uh, <laughs> just as he was approaching the curb and there were skid marks of like three feet long um uh bleeding you know coming from the back wheels it, it just a just a miracle that the that that axle hadn't frozen up when he was you know up on up on a some cr- anywhere else. yeah some crag and like the hills above marin or wherever he was right working. yeah been done for <laughs> <laughs> so that was the end that was the end of uh of uh, the little maya van Oh man, he beat it. Koki, I believe uh, Nat called it. Um, nice. And uh, and I think we just waited for it to get towed away. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye. <laughs> which, is, which is not the first time I I, uh, I parted with a car by just allowing it to be towed. By default. Yeah. <laughs> right. Take advantage of the city's uh, services, uh, disposal yeah. services. Yeah, exactly. Never pay the fine. What fine? Yeah. And, <laughs> I didn't know about it. I never went down there to collect. Yeah, yeah. I just I figured that he took the car, used it again, and didn't bring it <laughs> That's back. Right. That's right. Never heard from him again. It was weird. Yeah. Never pursued it. Oh. Um, All right. Well, so so that. Uh, yeah. There's there's a big, whopping, steaming pile of little my for you. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so good to get the get the backstory from. One of the originals, one of the founders. So, you know, it's been quite an epic ride, and it's still going. It's so cool. You guys are still at it. Well, the now old, also the, in the old ret- man version. In retrospect, as a fifty-five-year-old, I'm even more astounded that that this, some of the decisions I made were turned out to be as good as they did. I mean, that that the fact that um, that the four of us could could uh, just you know groove together after not doing it for so long um yeah just you know i I, it's it's wonderful i i I am grateful to my younger self for having bequeathed this to us (laughs) good job good job young matt yeah did did well it's taken a long time to 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 realize that you know that that um not all the decisions I made were dumb. Yeah, that's good. That's a good revelation to have. I think it's common for you know people who seem to have gone astray for at some point in their life and then sort of find their way back to yeah. some kind of balance. Um, they tend to kick themselves for not having done it sooner or better or whatever. But I feel like it's all utterly necessary for for learning. Yeah. Every every part of it. All the mistakes, every every dumb all the dumb ideas were still worthwhile because you you gain from them. It takes a lot of uh um 
you know, acceptance and forgiveness to be able to uh, encompass that view sometimes. For sure. Yeah. It's not something that I come to naturally. I have to really work to, to find, especially self-forgiveness, but because that's an issue for me that expands to everyone else too. Well, uh, and let me say, uh, Justin, that um, one of your signal strengths as a as an interlocutor is your uh, your attitude of self forgiveness. I I like it. I like um, I like to think that that I have the power to to use it for the right, you know. To, to learn how to do it properly uh, and move forward from all this stupid shit. Well, you, 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 um, you, you know, you, you, you express it in a way that um, it's very inviting and, and very uh, yeah, inclusive and, and generous. Thanks, man. That's nice to hear. I'm, I'm happy to hear that's the case, or at least that you, you feel so. Um, it is for me for sure. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think everybody needs to give themselves a break on whatever it is that they see as a flaw, as some kind of like deep character flaw or something that makes them bad people, you know, um, unless they actually are. If, you know, <laughs> if you are one of those people, then cut it out, you jerk. Yeah. But, um, but I just feel like people, I mean, I know from firsthand experience that you can truly hold yourself back for you know forever really if you don't let go of that shit um so but it, it's definitely a, a process of learning and it's talking to people one-on-one like this is kind of the best the best way i think it's the best way through uh any of this sort of guard that you might put up in other social settings you know because mm-hmm. i'm willing to talk about stuff at any depth, uh, if the other person is, and it, I find it's just super helpful and it's really gratifying to like move through stuff, you know, be like, Oh, I used to do this. And I used to think this, and now I'm, I'm better about it. Like I feel better. I don't have to carry that shit around. Yeah. So. And, and I, I, you know, this, one of the things that I'm so, um, uh, glad about with respect to uh, Adam and uh, and Rick and Matt is that um, you know they their uh, affection for me and trust in me and interest in me after all these years is um, is a piece of evidence that uh, that you know that that I can take heart from that I yeah. can yeah it uh, it really it can be uh it can it can be tangible to me so uh, speaking of tangible uh i got the records back from the factory i drove out to oh, awesome. burlington ontario uh and picked them up and uh and so you know now there's this this tangible i don't know uh, uh, yeah a tangible 12 inch vinyl lp uh that um that is some kind of uh excrescence of this quartet yeah, you know, yeah, I love it's, it. It's a bit of a, a, a talisman of of our uh, of our um, sort of our project uh, of friendship and, and music and. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad you made a, a physical document to commemorate that. 
Yeah, and, me too. And that, and that you chose vinyl as the medium. Oh, and my, you, sorry, go ahead. What my plan uh, had been until uh, uh, this pandemic uh, took over, my plan had been to come out to California and work with the fellows and play some shows like in probably in December and, you know, hand, hand out some records. Right. So, so I'm, I'm hoping that some version of that plan can still can still happen. Someday it will. Yeah. We'll, we'll look forward to that. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for sharing all that stuff and filling me in on the stuff I didn't know. It's great to v- revisit that time with you. It was a really magical period of my life. Well, I'll it's never, never forget. Uh, yeah, it's gratifying to to um, <laughs> to be able to tell you some stories. You know, uh, I don't I, I don't often have the have the opportunity. It's really it's it's sweet. It's sweet to to be able to talk about it with someone who who cares and who was there and you know it, to whom it made a difference. Cool, man. Well, it's my pleasure. So, um, and then, and call anytime if you want to, if, if you're, if you need to talk about anything, um, and we'll use the telephone and talk about some other heavy shit. You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for taking the time again. It's always a pleasure. I'm happy again to be reconnected with you. Yeah. Uh, and let's uh, be in touch. You got it. All right. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, Justin. All right, man. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was my friend Matt Stahl. Uh, I want to give thanks to all the members of Little My, past and present, and to all those involved in recording and mixing and mastering through the years. I want to thank you all for your contributions to my life and to rock and roll. You have made both better uh, forever. So all the gratitude in the world to you for that. And thank you also for your permission to use Little My slash Informaton music. Uh, Everything you heard in this episode so far came from um, the album The Six Fingers of Rick uh, by Little My or from the most recent release, Zittle Moy from Informaton. And there was other stuff I wanted to use from earlier periods of the band, but I was unable to reach one member. And so I couldn't take stuff off of the album Asthma, which I love dearly. So go find that um, and listen to it, please. Uh, Specifically, Cannonballs and Surf Detective is what I was planning to play. Um, But the songs you did hear, the very first one and the very last one were in Fromaton. And all the ones in the middle were Little Mai from the middle years. And uh, I'm going to leave you with one last tune in its entirety because it's just too good to cut. Uh, Please go to inframaton.com 
That's I-N-F-R-O-M-A-T-O-N.com. And there you will find uh, all of the stuff, Little My related, that you can imagine that Matt uh, spent a long time building into this beautiful world. Um, so it's all kinds of cool stuff about the band. There are audio clips and video clips and photos and stuff going way back to the beginning. And you can now get the new release from Inframaton um, on vinyl through that website. So please go check it out. And then also you can find me at outspokenpodcast.com. And from there you can find all the other, all the ways to subscribe. Please do subscribe because it helps me and rate on iTunes and all that stuff. And go check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash outspoken podcast. See if you might want to support the show. That'd be great. Oh man, would that be great? I love you. Bye.